So what's up, Trace? How's everybody's do- how's everybody doing today? You guys doing good? Good. Yeah, love to hear that. Hope you guys are doing well. Uh, I just want to say this: like, I don't know what your life is looking like right now. I don't know uh, what your view on Jesus is, or who He is, or who He is to you, or uh, your experience with church or Christians in the past. I don't know if that was good or bad, but I just want you to know uh, we're glad you're here today. We're glad you decided to join us here at Trace this morning. Uh, if you're new here, maybe you've been out for a couple of weeks, I'll catch you up. We've been going through this series called GLOW, and that stands for the gospel lived out, because here at Trace, we are on mission to leave a trace of God's love everywhere that we go. Uh, we just want to live out the gospel everywhere that we go so that we can uh, show people the love of God, and that includes things uh, like loving our neighbors or going on mission trips, uh, reaching the nations, or getting to do what I get to do a lot, which is investing in the next generation, and I have a lot of fun doing that, but we believe here at Trace that saved people serve people. Now, once you say yes to Jesus, that's the start, uh, not the finish of your walk and your relationship with Jesus. And we're going to talk a lot about that here in a second. Uh, But to start this off, I'd like to ask this question. If you only had one day to live, one more day to live, what would you do? Like if you knew you were going to die in 24 hours, uh, what would you do with that one day? And I think this is a pretty fun question. Um, but I put this on my social media accounts all week and got to get some fun answers, and so I want to share some of those with you. Um, Some people said they'd go skydiving or maybe go to a concert or something, do something they'd never done before, which is good. Other people said they'd eat food all 24 hours, which I'm like, yeah, I can get on board with that, find a good restaurant to sit at. Uh, One person said, find the UFOs at Area 51, and I don't know if you guys know this, but right now there's like this huge movement on Facebook to raid Area 51. I think it's up to like 750,000 people uh, that have said they're going, which we all know, hopefully not all those people go, but I think their hashtag is like, they can't catch all of us, uh, which (laughs) they can. Uh, So don't do that. Uh, One guy said, uh, spend a lot of time thinking about the fact that I'm probably going to die tomorrow. I thought that was kind of morbid and kind of a waste of that last day. One person said, sit on the beach and watch Jaws because there's no better place to watch Jaws. But this is my favorite one. Uh, I drop all the selfish stuff, spend time with my family, and eat fries. Like their priorities are like locked in and there's no calorie consequences. They're going to die tomorrow. So, you know, might as well, might as well eat fries for all 24 hours. Um, But most people said the same thing. Uh, Most people, by and large, said the same thing, and that was spend time with the people that I love. Uh, Spend time with friends, spend time with family. That's probably what I would do. Uh, I'd probably go find a good place to eat, sit around at a dinner table, share memories, that kind of thing with the people I love. Um, But I love this question because it has a way of showing what's important to you. Um, Because when your time is limited, you do that, which is probably most important at that time. I would probably put it this way. Oftentimes, scarcity leads to intentionality. Scarcity leads to intentionality, and we know this to be true. This is why at work you have things like deadlines, so you can be intentional with the limited amount of time that you have. Or when you go to see a movie that has just come out, you don't just show up at the theater and hope that there's seats, especially now like assigned seats. You look online, you order your tickets, you be intentional about that because you know space is going to be limited. Or if you have a budget and you don't have as much money, It seems that your money stretches further, but really you're just being more intentional with the little amount of money that you have because scarcity leads to intentionality. 
And we're going to see that to be incredibly true uh, with Jesus in this story today. He, he's not going to have scarcity of food or scarcity of you know, money or seats in the theater. He's going to have scarcity of time. Uh, Jesus, he actually is just going to have one day left to live. Uh, and scarcity is going to find him in life. But we're going to see him be incredibly intentional, incredibly intentional with the time that he has left. So if you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn them on, turn them open uh, to John Chapter 13, verse 1. And it says this. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. I love this part. It says, He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. And it was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. But Jesus knew that the Father had given him all authority, that's important, all authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would soon return to God. So John, the writer, the guy who wrote this, uh, this, this verse, this text, he lets us know what's going on. And just like most people that I ask that question to, if you had one day left to live, what would you do? Jesus, he wants two things. He, he wants family and he wants food. Um, because make no mistake, these, these disciples, these 12 guys, they were like brothers to Jesus. Uh, they were together 24-7 for three and a half years. They spent all their time together, and you can understand this. Jesus, he just wants one more night with the boys, like he wants one more night with the bros. And so everybody's there, and Judas is even there, the guy who's going to betray Jesus here in a second. But it says all authority, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. Imagine that for a second. Like, Jesus could do whatever he wanted. <laughs> he could say whatever he wanted. He could ask people to do whatever he wanted to do. He could make whatever moves he wanted. Imagine if that was you. Uh, this is a fun question too, but if you had all the authority in the world, what would you do? This is a good lunch conversation. If you had all the authority in the world, what would you do? Like, imagine if at your work, your boss and all your coworkers did everything that you said. It would be different. What would you do? Or parents, if your kids actually obeyed the things that you told them to do, what would you ask of them? Or, or students, this, this is probably pretty crazy, but imagine if your parents did everything that you told them to do, and that's a pretty scary world to live in. But seriously, if you had all the authority, what would you do? Um, if you're like me, you'd probably make some moves. Uh, you'd probably do, get some things done. You'd make some things happen. You'd establish yourself as a leader, and then you do whatever you saw fit. You'd make your dreams become reality. That's not what we see Jesus do. No, instead, this is what we see Jesus do. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around them. And so Jesus, he's given all the authority in the world. And what does he do? He gives out like 12 pedicures. <laughs> He goes around and he washes the feet of his best friends. He serves. He takes the authority, the status, the position that he's entitled to, and he gives it over to his friends. He places others in the place that he deserves. And one by one, he goes around the room and he cleans the disciples' feet. And you have to understand, like they didn't have tennis shoes back then. And they didn't have sidewalks back then. And they didn't have little doggy bags. So imagine the types of things that they're stepping in, okay? I imagine kind of like a native to Colorado uh, that wears chacos all summer, hikes all summer, gets the feet dirty, never washes them. And that's kind of the picture we get here of these 12 guys. But Jesus, he washes their feet anyway. And notice 
he even washes the feet of Judas, uh, the guy who's going to betray him, the guy who's eventually going to lead to Jesus' death. And I, I would put it this way. Jesus did not let entitlement get in the way of empowerment. He didn't let entitlement get in the way of empowerment. And this is something we don't see too often these days uh, because entitlement runs rampant in our culture today, especially in my generation. We act as if our positions, our salaries, our jobs, our titles, our reputations, our families, they exempt us from serving other people. As if we hit some point where we no longer have to follow like this part of the gospel. We'll follow everything else, but not this part. Um, like we've worked our way out of working for other people or that there are some jobs that really are below our pay grade or there are some people that are really are just not worth our time or that we can demand the service of other people wherever we go but but you know nobody can ask us for help i just want to ask like where does that come from because nowhere in the life of jesus do we see him acting like that no it says he was given all authority he had every reason to lord that over other people, to subject them, to ask his disciples to clean his feet. He had every right to do that. Yet instead, he gave that up to those around him. He empowered other people to his place. He lowered himself to serve those around us. And some of us, myself included, we can have a hard time serving other people. We can have a hard time helping other people out. We let our entitlement, the things we think we deserve, get in the way of empowering other people. But some of us sit on the other end of that. Because some of us can have a hard time serving other people, but some of, some of us have a hard time being served by other people. Just like Peter, we, we look like Peter, and this is what he does. He, Jesus, came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't know, you don't understand what I'm doing, but someday you will understand. No, Peter protested. You will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Anybody ever looked like Peter before? Like I have, you know, this, is, this happens all the times because sometimes it's harder to be served than it is to serve other people. And maybe some of you are like, surely that's not true because we all like to be served and it's not really that hard to let somebody serve me. Uh, but seriously, this is me to a T. Uh, I look a lot like Peter because I can have a really, really hard time accepting help from other people. And I think, you know, I, I can pay for people. I can help others out. That's, that's all good and fine. But anytime the roles are reversed, I have a really hard time with that. My brain really struggles to get a hold of that. And I think for the most part, it comes down to this word right here, pride. I have a lot of pride in my life because there are times in my life where I, I don't want to ask for help simply because I think it'll mess up the image that I have. Like, I don't want to be the guy who asks for help. Or sometimes I think that I can just do a better job. But then there's the other side of that, where, where oftentimes my lack of pride or my lack of confidence get in the way of other people being able to serve me or accepting gifts uh, sometimes. About a couple years ago, I was uh, celebrating Christmas with my wife's family. And I just finished college and we're getting ready to move to Indiana. And I need you to understand, like my family uh, in Texas lives about five minutes away from Jessica's family in Texas. So we both grew up in Dallas and we had to spend Christmas with my family in the morning. And it was great. We opened presents, but then we had to wait until that night 
to open presents with her family. And so I made her little sister wait all day. And it was terrible. It was very cruel. Um, but that's what we did. And eventually we got there and, you know, things are going great. We're taking turns. We're opening presents. Everybody's having a good time. But then it was my turn. And my father-in-law, his name is Skip. I love him a lot. Uh, he handed me an envelope. And to be honest with you, I thought it was a gift card because I'm really hard to shop for. My wife hates that about me. I don't really do the whole Christmas list thing. I'm not very good about getting those in on time. And so I thought it was a gift card. And so I opened it up and sure enough, there's a card on the inside. And like all boys do, I set that aside uh, to read it later uh, at a later time. And I opened the card, you know, there's a check. And you have to understand on this check uh, was written a number, more money than I'd ever received before by like a lot. And I was like, no, you can't do this. I actually tried to put the check back in the envelope and give it back uh, because I didn't feel worthy of that gift. And I said, you know, Skip, this is way too much. But I love what he said to me. He looked at me and he smiled and he said, I hope you enjoy it. Um, and I hope it fits because there's no refunds. And <laughs> that night was hard for me um, because I stayed up pretty late thinking of several ways that I could try to pay him back several ways that I could try to earn that money, that I could, you know, work around the house or try to fix his car or try to do yard work for him. But I couldn't think of enough jobs. And believe me, I was grateful. Truly, I was. Um, but I also felt really guilty because I'd done nothing to deserve a gift like that. And my lack of pride uh, made me look a lot like Peter, where I said, Jesus, you can't wash my feet. And I said, Skip, you can't give me that money. That's too much. And I got in the way of somebody genuinely trying to be generous in my life. And it all came back to pride. Because there are times in my life where I don't feel worthy of the gifts or the things that people try to do for me. Like I said, I've tried to give gifts back before. I've deflected compliments that were heartfelt and genuine that people had to muster up the courage to come and tell me, you know, I've refused help from people that genuinely care about me. And it all comes down to either too much pride in my life or an outstanding lack of pride and confidence in my life. But when I do that, I'm getting in the way of people living out the gospel. I'm becoming an obstacle for God using other people. And I look a lot like Peter. But I'm incredibly grateful because more times than not, God works despite me. Uh, and he works despite Peter in this moment because Peter's like, Jesus, you can't wash my feet. But what I love about Jesus is Jesus, he does it anyway. And he finishes washing the disciples' feet, and then he looks at them and he says this. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? And I imagine in this moment, there's a lot of confused looks. There's a lot of disciples that are like, this was kind of weird. Um, and so Jesus is like, do you understand what I just did? I wasn't just washing your feet because I felt like it or because they were dirty or because you were walking inside and tracking mud all over the house. No, do you understand why I did this? And he goes on to answer his question. He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you're right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example. That's an important word. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. So he says, why did I do this? And then he answers by saying, Jesus, you know, I set an example for you. Jesus could have easily preached a sermon on service. 
He could have easily done a speech on humility. He does that at later times in his life. He could have gotten some slides together, shown a funny YouTube clip, and then like talked about humility, given a sermon on it, and that could have been it. But instead, he decides to show them what it means to lead. See, Jesus, he knows he's leaving soon. His life has found scarcity. But he's going to be incredibly intentional here to show them what it means to lead because 11 out of these 12 guys that are in this room, 11 out of these 12 guys, they're going to be the future of leading the church. And so Jesus, he wants to show them what it means to lead. And so he gets down on a knee and he takes out a towel and some water and he washes their feet and the message is clear. To lead, you must learn to serve. To lead, you must learn to serve. And he's saying you can't lead without learning to serve. But Jesus is saying, like, my life is a perfect example of this. My life is a perfect example of this. Because at another point, Jesus, he actually is going to preach a sermon on serving. And he's going to say, look, the rest of the world, they lord their power and authority over everybody. They're entitled to a lot, and they let everybody else know it. They flaunt their leadership around. But then he looks at the disciples, and he says this, but among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Make no mistake, Jesus, he he came to serve. And that's a purpose statement there. That's why he came. He came to serve, not to be served. And that's what he did. He left heaven and he came here to where you and I live. And he helped people and he healed people and he looked out for the poor and he washed his best friend's feet and he had an attitude of service because that's the life he lived. But he didn't just live a life of service. He also died a death in service. And I love how Paul puts it in Philippians. He says this, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, And he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. He was entitled to it all as God, but he didn't hold on to that. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God, he elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God, our father. Amen. And guys, like Jesus, he lived a life of service, but he also died a death in service. Although he was God, although he was entitled to all power, all authority, He went to a cross and he died for you and for I, even though he was innocent, even though he didn't deserve it, and we did. You see, Jesus sacrificed his life in service of our salvation. Jesus lived a life of service, but he died a death as a servant. And we're given a second chance, not because of anything you did, not because of anything I did, but because of everything that he did. And in other words, we don't deserve it, but he did it anyway. You see, Jesus was a servant through and through. And he washed his disciples' feet. And he's intentional in this moment, but I love how he ends this section. He looks at his disciples and he says, now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. God will bless you for doing them. And this is the vision behind this series that we call GLOW. 
Now that you know what to do, do it. (laughs) Now that you know the right thing to do, just do it, live it out. And some of you might be asking out there, what does this look like? Because I don't know the last time you guys washed somebody's feet. I was going to like bring a middle schooler up here and try to wash their feet, but I thought that would have been weird because uh, it's not something we do anymore. Um, and so what does this look like for us today? And I would say for the most part, it looks like just simply serving people in a variety of different ways. And I think today there's two groups of people that I need to talk to. And the first group of people are those of you who get this. Like, you know what it means to serve. You guys are here every week. You volunteer uh, or you're out in uh, Colorado Springs serving and volunteering in any other place. And it's even probably gotten to a point to where we've had to be, be like, hey, you should probably take a break so you don't burn out. And like, you guys get it. So I want to talk to you guys for just a second. I'll let you in on a little secret about church and Trace. Uh, none of what we do on Sundays, none of what we do during the week happens without people like you. Uh, seriously, it, it doesn't work. So first, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for volunteering here at Trace. Thank you for investing your time into the people that come to church here. Um, we couldn't do it without you, and nor would we want to. But for those of you that that's the case, I would say this to you. Keep serving someone. Keep serving someone. And the key word in that phrase is someone, not something. Because when we serve, when we volunteer, we don't do that to fill a spot. We do that to fill a purpose. And as people who follow Jesus, our purpose is always other people. And those people have names and those names have stories and those stories, they matter to God. So when we say keep serving someone, we're saying continue to serve, continue to volunteer, continue to invest in other people just like Jesus. But when Jesus serves, I love this about Jesus. Jesus always brings others along. He always brings others along. Like, look at his life. He shows them what to do and how to do it, what it means to serve. Jesus replaces himself. So this is for the volunteers here. What if we were the kind of church? What if we were the type of volunteers? What if we were the type of people that when we served, we simply brought others along, just like Jesus? Like when we found our sweet spot in ministry or here at Chase or somewhere in this community, like our sweet spot where we're able to give life out and receive life at the same time, where we're able to use our gifts, our abilities, our talents, our stories that God has not only given to us, but he's entrusted us with. What if when we're doing that, rather than just continuing to truck away all by ourselves, what if we brought others along? What if we showed others how to serve and the impact that they could make? If we handed things off. You see, I love walking into Trace some Sunday mornings uh, because there's a dad and a son Uh, who will greet me uh, on Sunday mornings. And what I love about that is there's a dad that brought his son along, that showed him what it meant to serve and empowered him to be able to do that. Or you can look in our student ministries and we have these two girl female leaders named Megan and Caitlin, and they're in here today, which I'm glad. Um, But what I love about that is they're best friends. But one of them brought the other one to serve in our student ministries. And I love seeing that because it's exactly this. It's bringing other people Along, But what if we saw that everywhere? Like, like everywhere that we're serving, we're bringing someone else along to the point to where we had to like turn away volunteers. That would be crazy. Imagine the impact that we could have. Imagine what we could do for the community of Colorado Springs. And hear me today, like I could, I could stand up here and I'm going to do it in a second, but I could stand here and I could tell you why serving is important. And I could tell you why you should do it, what you should do, how you could get involved. And I could tell you like the Greek word for service. And I could do all that for you. 
But the truth is there's probably only going to be like two or three of you that actually feel convicted enough to start serving here. However, when our volunteers, when the people who are serving here, who are living it out, say the very same things, when you choose to bring others along with you, our ability to keep serving someone multiplies astronomically because you all are the ones living it out and you all are the ones that are experiencing it and you all know your friends a whole lot better than we do. And so for those of you who are already volunteering, I want to ask you this question. Who is one person that you could bring along? Who's one person that you could bring along to serve beside, that you could bring up, show them the impact that they could make? And when you have a name in your head, text them. Pull your phone out and text them. Ask them to start serving with you. If they're here at church today, pull them out to guest services. See what their next step could be. I don't know what it is for you, uh, but keep serving someone and then bring others along. Okay, that's the first group. Uh, the second group of people is for those of you who don't serve. And I'm not just talking about here at Trace. You don't volunteer anywhere. And it's either because either nobody's asked you to do that or you just haven't taken the initiative yourself. I want to talk to you for a second. And first, before I say anything else, I, I want to make this clear. Like there are some of you out there that are going through a lot right now. And in this moment, you just need somebody to be investing in you. Or maybe you're trying to figure out who Jesus is or how you fit into his family or the purpose that God could possibly have for your life. And if that's you this morning, I need you to hear me. Like I get it. Take all the time you need. Take all the time that you need to soak up the love of God and see who Jesus really is. We get it. However, there comes a time for all of us when we do eventually know the right things and we understand what it is Jesus is asking of us. And all we're called to do is simply live it out, to get off the bench and start living out the gospel that we're called to where we can no longer just be consumers of the gospel, but we, we need to start contributing to what God is actually doing here in Colorado Springs. And if that's you this morning, I would say this. Start serving somewhere. Start serving somewhere. It doesn't have to be here at Trace, but my guess is most of us are like the rest of us, and we have a, a battle in our hearts with pride. And pride gets in the way of serving others, but when we choose to serve others... We're releasing our heart from pride and we're allowing the control to go to Jesus. But just like I said earlier, we don't serve to fill a spot. We serve to fill a purpose and our purpose is always people. So find somewhere to serve where there's people. Like serve soup to the homeless downtown. Get involved with a team here at Trace. Go on a trip overseas. Invest in the next generation. Serve the people within your neighboring group. Greet at the door. Serve coffee with a smile. Students, do the laundry for your mother. Husbands, clean the house for your wives. I don't care where it is. But you got to start serving somewhere. And here at Trace, we have a phrase that we use with our volunteer teams, and it's this. Your commitment is our capacity. Your commitment is our capacity. Basically, it just means this. The commitment to which, or the capacity to which we can reach more people and bring them to know Jesus is directly influenced by the amount of people we have here serving. And so I'd say it like this. If we want to grow, we need more people serving. Uh, if we want to stay the same and we want to sit comfortable and we like where we're at and we don't want any more people to come to know Jesus, then I probably need to shut up and stop asking uh, people to serve because we don't need any more people. And I think for the most part, 
a big reason why people don't serve in church or anywhere else is because uh, the need is not very apparent. Like you can come here to trace and like things don't usually go wrong on a Sunday to Sunday basis. And so you might think in your head, you know, they don't need my help. So let me make this abundantly clear to you. We need your help. (laughs) Okay. We need your help. I could go to any ministry team lead here at Trace, and I guarantee you they would tell me we would love to have more volunteers. And so for those of you who aren't serving anywhere, I would ask you this question right here. Where can you start volunteering? Where can you start volunteering? Where can you get involved? And if it's here at Trace, that's great. I would just ask that you go to guest services right after this and see how you can get plugged in here at Trace. If it's not at Trace, that's great. But start serving somewhere. You see, Jesus, he gave us an example to follow. He washed the disciples' feet, but then as we said, he he went to the cross. He humbled himself and he took our place on the cross. And he showed us what it meant to be a servant. And so we're gonna enter into just a little time of response. And this is a a thin space between you and God uh, where you can respond to anything that you've heard today. And so for some of you, you recognize that Jesus, he did humble himself. He took your place. He didn't take his entitlement, but he empowered you into salvation. And some of you just need to be reminded of that this morning. So around the room, we have four tables with crosses at them. And you can go and you can take a cracker, you can take a thing of juice, and you can remember the fact that Jesus died on a cross for you, that he took your place. For others of you, uh, you're not serving anywhere. And in this moment, what I would ask of you is if you need to respond to that, then you just go out to guest services. They're going to help you get plugged in. They're going to find you a sweet spot in the ministry here. And so I'd ask that you would respond in that way. For others of you, you don't know Jesus. Uh, You don't have a relationship with him. And you don't really fully understand the fact that Jesus sacrificed his life in service for your salvation. And you're wondering if that could be true about you. And if that's you, then just sit in your seat and have a conversation with God about that. Just, Just take that up with him. Or maybe for some of you, there's just a lot going on in your life right now. You don't know how to deal with it. And you just need someone to come alongside you and pray with you. And in the back, we have two prayer stations. And you can write on a card the prayer that you have, the thing that you need prayer for, and you can put it in the bucket. And we as a staff, we pray for those every week. Uh, Tomorrow, we'll pull those out and we'll pray for each one. And that's a sweet time for us where we can come alongside you and serve you all uh, as a staff here. I don't know how it is that you need to respond, but I ask that you do. So I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna go ahead and respond. Dear God, thank you uh, for this day. God, thank you for giving us an example of what service looks like. Thank you for washing their feet. Thank you for going to the cross for us. God, I pray that we would just have a sliver of that in our lives, that we would be able to serve other people as you uh, did Jesus. I don't know how it is that you want us to respond, but God, I pray you give us the courage to do so. God, we love you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.